G'day there, and welcome to episode 6 of Journey on the GAN. I'm Michael Turtle from the travel blog Time Travel Turtle. It's now time for the final excursion of this epic train trip from Darwin to Adelaide. We're in the middle of the desert in the centre of South Australia, and we're heading to a town where the population lives underground. It's a hard life, but a fascinating one. In this episode, I'm going to take you to Coobapedi. After travelling overnight, the GAN has arrived this morning at a train station called Manguri. Although, calling it a train station may be a little bit generous. There are no buildings here at all, only one small concrete platform. Everything else around us is just red desert, with the track stretching out to the endless horizons in both directions. Manguri is about 40 kilometres from the town of Kubapedi, our excursion for today, so we're heading out there on a bus. Kubapedi is famous for its opal mining. There are a lot of them here in the earth, and most of the mining is done just by individuals, not by big companies. The driver plays some information over the speakers as we set off towards town. Kubapedi has always attracted its fair share of trailblazers, chances, rule benders and treasure hunters. It has also fostered one of the most multicultural communities in Australia and perhaps in the world. More than 45 nationalities are represented within a population of around three and a half thousand people. You'll get to meet some Kubapedi locals today and hear stories of legendary fortunes lost and found. The window next to me on the bus is rattling. Through it, I can see a lot of desert and, well, a whole lot of nothing, as the driver is keen to point out. About 280 kilometres from here is um, the uh, Maralinga atomic test sites. Looking around us, it's fairly easy to see why they decided to uh, test their bombs out here. There's not an awful lot uh, that you're going to destroy when you uh, set off one of those things. As we get closer to Kubapedi, the desert's turning from red to yellow, and I can see piles of dirt shaped like cones all across the landscape. These are from the small mine shafts that people have dug up everywhere looking for opals. There are also some areas that have just been dug out with machinery from the surface. As we're going in, this funny looking house on a trailer to our left, that's the equipment they use in open cut mining. What they'll do is they'll get big scoops of uh, earth from the uh, gem level, if you like, or the opal level. They'll dump it in there, it gets crushed and rattled and then it goes on a little conveyor belt through that house. Now inside that house it's pitch black and they have ultraviolet lighting and that lighting will highlight the opal stones as it passes along the conveyor belt. The town of Kubapedi is relatively small but because it's spread out it seems larger than you expect for just three and a half thousand residents. There are some houses above ground, but if you look at the hills, for instance, you can see doors leading into the side of them and chimneys and air vents poking out. These are some of the underground homes. Dawn is a resident in Coopapedi. She's lived here for about 40 years and she has a house below the surface. I suppose the obvious question is what's it like living here? Because it's not your normal town, is it? No, it's definitely not normal. Um, it's a unique type of life. Everyone's different. Um, years ago, it was more of a um, before the bitumen road went through. It was more of a very 
um, community town, but we've got a lot of open, you know, the bitumen's come through now, so you get a lot more people coming through, so, um, and unfortunately a lot of the older people have died off or moved away, so the town has changed over the years. Um, but it's still a bloody good town. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I had all my children here. They've had their children, so, yeah. yeah. And what's it like, sort of, underground? I don't, I don't know if you live above ground or below ground, but you below must spend ground, a lot... Below ground, yeah. You're, you're below ground. <laughs> mm-hmm. What's it yeah, like down there? It's just like a normal house. You have your toilet, your bathrooms, <laughs> your kitchens. If you walked in blindfolded, um, you wouldn't know. You really wouldn't know that you were really underground until you kind of really looked around and thought it's a normal house yeah yeah yeah. but you don't have um, a lot of places don't have heating or cooling Um, if you keep your doors closed and your windows closed the temperature will stay the same the entire year when I asked Dawn whether I can use her surname for this podcast she says no because the less you know about me the better off you are she's just joking but Kubipedi has had a reputation over the years as the kind of place people come to to disappear It's a long way from anything else, and people trying to escape the law, debt collectors, even wives, would come out here to start again. It's not just the heat, it's not just the underground, it's the isolation as well. You're a long way away from places. What's that like? You get used to it. You do get used to it. Yep. You know, I mean, we've got the bitumen road now so it's not that bad just to pop down to Port Augusta or <laughs> what does pop down mean <laughs> yeah you just pop down to Port Augusta how long does that take uh that's about five or six hours okay yeah. just pop down to see a movie or something yeah <laughs> yeah or do your shopping or whatever you know if you want to get stuff in bulk um mostly the time you go down is usually for doctor's appointments or most of the time it's around Christmas time when everybody just kind of goes out of town the t- goes to town I've met Dawn because she's working today as a guide at our first stop in Kubapedi, the Serbian Orthodox Church. As you walk down the ramp, in here you'll see some beautiful sculptures that was done by Norm Aston. He finished. Most of the sites for tourists here are just real places that the locals use themselves. The church is completely underground and it took four years to carve out and decorate. The sculptures are pretty amazing. The decorations generally are amazing for something that's underground. Yes, all the um, uh, walls are varnished. It's like a sealer so that they don't fret. Because if you touch the outside, you'll notice that it frets and you get a lot of dust. This on the outside hasn't been sealed, but the inside's all sealed. Um, They spent about $20,000 worth of opal while they were digging out the um, church and the function rooms that's in total all along here so do the congregation do they still have to do collection they still do (laughs) i think they still do collection yeah. yeah money is an important part of life in kubapedi it's why so many people come here in the first place on average a miner will earn about forty thousand dollars a year but sometimes they might get lucky one year and earn hundreds of thousands of dollars and then have some years where they get nothing. Opal mining is interesting because it's one of the few mining industries that you can do by yourself without needing a huge investment or a big company. Miners rent a small patch of land and dig down to see if they can find any opals. If not, then they just rent the next one and try again, and so on. There's a bit of luck involved, but also some tactics. These days, about 95% of the world's opals come from Australia. So it's a big business. 
The technology is getting a bit more modern, but there's still a lot that's just done by hand the traditional way. Underground in an old mine, I meet George Aslamatsis. He's giving a demonstration of how he mines for opals here, with relatively basic equipment. And uh, then you, you mix up the nitro peel, a bag with a diesel, one flagon and a bit. George is from Greece originally, but he came to Australia in 1966 when he was just 23 years old. He started his new life in Melbourne, not really knowing what he was going to do. Everybody says you must marry to save money. I tried to get one girl to engage, but she was a bit bitchy, Greek girl. And then I disappeared by train, I went to Sydney. And then my friend, I work in the Lux factory, and my friend worked together. Somehow he disappeared. A couple of years after, I saw him with a Mercedes-Benz convertible, uh, gold rings, you know, chines here. I said, what's that? Opal. What Opal? I thought it was a drugs, you know. I said, marijuana, maybe I can do it too, if I can make some money. <laughs> he said, no, no, he said, uh, Opal. Where's Opal? Uh, Central Australia. Where's Central Australia? There. I said to my friend, uh, you got some money? He said, 70. And I got 90, 160. Let's go to, to find this Opal. And we disappeared. No, no, notice nothing to the, op, to the soap factory. We had one car, 180 bucks we bought it, Holden, FJ Holden, and there it is, George, come here. Always, if you don't have nothing... In those days, life in Cooper Pedy was even harder than it is now. But George got married, had a couple of kids, and spent his days as an opal miner. Those days, man, was a difficult, very different days. No machinery, no facilities, uh, especially myself, two children, uh, and a uh, few dollars they gone. Somebody give me a set. Uh, we have a bucket for sour. Fill up the bucket. Whoops, sour. Quick, boys. Da, 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 quick. Three boys, two boys in one bucket, and me and my wife another bucket. Yeah, man. But uh, if, you, if, you, if you look forward for something, you say we struggle, but maybe we'll make it. Yes, uh, you need the energy inside. I'm going to do it. After you make the holes. Like most opal miners here, the years have brought fortunes and they've brought famines. I remember once I had a few hundred, few hundred thousand dollars. Mm, actually, it was $400,000. And in three years' time, man, I had nothing. And I sleep in the car, in the utility. I cry. But then again, the family, my family lifts me up. I say, come on, man. I want to go, man. But the family, I say, come on, man. You make a mistake. You try to find nobody. And then, bang, I make it again. And I make it again, and I make it again, and now I'm going to do it again. As you've probably gathered, George is a bit of a character. Then again, most people here are. When I ask him if he has any advice for people considering opal mining, he answers in his typical way. You must have a big balls to do it, man. You've got a big balls, you do it. Anything you do if you have a big balls. For everyone on the Cooper PD tour from the GAN, lunch is served underground in old mining tunnels. For the rest of the day, most of the time is spent touring around, seeing some of the landscapes in the area and looking around the town at the golf course with no grass, for instance. To see what life is like underground, there's a tour of a house that's been turned into a museum. See, it's got a clear lacquer on it to keep the colour. And yeah, you know, it's got a clear lacquer on it because you can see the shine. There's a large lounge room, a kitchen, a bathroom and a bedroom 
where the guide closes the door once we're inside. So what I'm going to do now for a few seconds, I'm just going to turn the light off and it'll give you an idea of what it's like in the dugout, okay? So you all right? Yeah. All right, here we go. See how dark it is? And you really you really can't see your hand in front of your face. We're in a, we're in a normal house. You can still find your way around, but here it'd be very dark. The reason people choose to live underground here is because of the temperatures outside. It can range from more than 40 degrees Celsius in the summer to below freezing. In the underground homes, it's consistent, about 23 degrees all the time, without needing to pay for any heating or cooling. And the bonus is you might even find some opals when you're building your house. Someone's just spotted one here on the wall. You can see the, 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 the flares there. Yeah, you can see the rainbows sort of coming. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Cooper Pedy is a bit of a gem, a unique town here in the middle of Australia, and it makes for a fascinating stop on this trip on the GAN. It's now time to head back to the train and get ready for the final night before we get to Adelaide. And, as you're going to see, there are some interesting characters on board. More on that next time. Next episode, the last leg of our journey. I'm going to introduce you to someone who knows the GAN better than anyone else. He's been on the railways for 50 years. Sometimes we'd stop somewhere and a guard leaving that fellow I was working, he had a rifle with him at 22. He spotted some rabbits at the, the corner there and he shot two of them. He had rabbits stew that night. So it's just everything's, everything's just different nowadays. The stories you won't hear anywhere else. That's on the next episode of Journey on the GAN. In the meantime, it'd be great if you could subscribe and review the podcast. And please share it with anyone you think might enjoy a trip on the train like this. I'm Michael Turtle from the travel blog, Time Travel Turtle. Speak to you soon.